What's going on, everyone? And welcome into the inaugural, the very first, whatever you want to say here, edition of Talking Schmidt. It is something I've wanted to do for a very long time, and I just never really had the time. But thanks to the coronavirus, I guess we can say that uh, I have some more free time on my hand. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do was podcast and really talk sports. And I think right now, a lot of times for sports people in general, uh, the biggest thing is we don't really have that outlet right now because all we can do is kind of watch draft coverage and things like that. We don't have a ton going on. And I know my guest, my very first guest and someone that's been a huge backer of this idea, George Belecci, NBC 15 at Madison, Wisconsin. He's a sports reporter and anchor up there. Uh, I'm very, very happy to have you on here with me. And, and I couldn't think of a better first guest as well. Give me too much credit. Speak too highly of me, but, uh, no, I'm honored to be first guest on Talking Schmidt too. So I remember when you were telling me about the idea. What I get, I think honestly, back in July, June, July, before I moved from Joplin. So it's it's cool to see it getting going. And hey, man, you're making the most of the extra time. So good on you. Absolutely, man. And I'll kind of break down what we're going to do with a lot of these because Zoom has been such a beneficial thing for a lot of people. Uh, even for us in our field, we've been able to interview a lot of different people using yeah. Zoom. Um, we've been able to do a lot of different things with Zoom technology. So what we're doing is we're going to Zoom this for a little, well, for the whole thing, actually, because we'll be able to take video and audio. A video portion of it will be put on YouTube. The entire thing is going to be on Podbean. So you guys will be able to listen to it there. Um, because we'll go a little bit more in depth after we go over kind of our first subject uh, that'll be posted on YouTube. So for George and I, uh, I wanted to start this off with kind of a fun topic and something that we actually did last year, remember with the bracket challenge at the station we actually did was uh, the top uh, sports movies. And we broke it down, football, basketball, baseball, other category, and had our, uh, had our viewers and whatnot vote on it. So what we're doing is we're actually in this first episode for this first portion of this, we're going to break down our top 10 favorite um, sports movies of all time, uh, personally, but our favorites. And then I'm also going to kind of read off uh, a few other lists that I found. Bleacher Report had a list, Fox Sports had one, and also Rotten Tomatoes. So we'll kind of base those off of that. But um, George, uh, I will let you lead off in this one, um, which is funny because my first movie is a baseball movie. But I'm going to go ahead. We'll start at number 10. I'll tell you on Bleacher Report, they had a league of their own. Fox Sports had Moneyball and Rotten Tomatoes had Murderball as the top out of their top 10 list as their number 10 spot. What movie do you have in your 10 spot and kind of give us a, a brief reason why? I went with The Longest Yard and the most recent version of it with Adam Sandler as a quarterback. I just – obviously, football is my favorite sport, so my list, I believe, is pretty football heavy. And uh, I just remember watching that movie. I mean, it was just entertaining from start to finish. The story was good with Paul Crew because it just – I mean, I like the start of it. It just shows Paul Crew wrecking Bentley, which is like my favorite car. And you think this guy's life is just absolutely down the drain. And it was just awesome to see, like, Michael Irvin in the movie and Nelly in the movie and, like, how athletic and – good good players they are and i believe what they had the wrestler goldberg in there yeah goldberg was right? in there was kevin goldberg. nash stone cold steve gold, austin gold goldberg and uh stone cold just look so similar to me so i always like mix them up with one another's gigantic bold white dudes so i should always get them mixed up with one another one There's of them a is of, a lot better though one of them is a lot better stone than gold. the other one yes stone absolutely gold. yeah but goldberg's like bigger though goldberg was right yeah, physically he's bigger but Stone Cold Steve Austin, I hear I'm a wrestling geek, you know this, but uh, for, for those of us who are big fans of wrestling, Stone Cold Steve Austin was uh, 
WCW tried to bring in Goldberg to be Stone Cold, but he couldn't uh, cut the I didn't promos. He couldn't do what. He's not as good of an actor as exactly. Sell, he wasn't sell so. It. He couldn't do a match the way that Stone Cold did. You know, Stone Cold could go in these 20, 30-minute matches with some of the greats, The Rock, Bret Hart, guys like that. And Goldberg was more in these squash matches because of his size and his former athletic ability and stuff like that yeah. coming from the University of Georgia, coming from the from the Falcons and the Rams that we played for. So the two were very different, but both of them were in that movie, and, and I thought they both did a tremendous job in that movie as well. It, it, and the movie was cool to me because I had a lot of Dallas Cowboy greats in it. Yeah. And the ignorant person I was at the – I don't even know when it came out. Maybe 2008, I want to say. I think Maybe so. earlier, like maybe 06, I feel like. But, um, I mean, for me, I was a late bloomer of getting into sports, so – I just laugh because, like, I didn't know who Michael Irvin was when I first saw that movie. And I saw it in theater, so it's not like I saw it in, like, 2015. But I just didn't know who Michael Irvin was. So I just see these scenes. I'm like, all these dudes are, like, a bunch of prisoners that are good at basketball. That's pretty cool. You recruit the <laughs> basketball players. And it's like, didn't know I was watching one of the best receivers of all time. Even as washed up as he – like, he still had it. And then for Nelly, it was just cool because we always knew how athletic he was, a good basketball player. I mean, he was just fun to watch and everything like that. So – I went with the longest yard. Uh, I just, you know, I don't like to overthink my sports movies. I like some of them to be simple and just straight entertaining. And in that movie, they just stuck it to the ward, the warden, and they stuck it to the guards, and I absolutely loved that. So that's why. And Chris Rock was absolutely hilarious in that movie, too. So that's why Longest Yard's my number 10, my all-time list. Yeah, I like Tracy Morgan in that movie, too. I, I thought he was phenomenal. Yep. He was one of the cheerleaders. He did a phenomenal <laughs> job. So <laughs> The amount of stars they had in that movie. like that's exa- yeah. It's one of those movies, as you remember, and you go through, like, ah, he was in it. He was in it. Oh, that's yeah. right. He was in it, too. Just a good cast they had in it. Yeah, Burt Reynolds, who played in the very first long Yeah, Yards. he was the original. He was in Paul there, too. Crew. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a really cool thing as well. And then Bru- Brucey and that legendary kicker. <laughs> good, my, number good 10, my number 10, I put hardball there. Um, hardball. Oh, I have a call. few really good, like, um, some of the movies that I have, I would say at least three of the movies that are on my list are, well, actually four or more of those ones where they kind of hit you because, you know, we all know what happens, um, with G baby and hardball, but yeah, he goes to Harvard and becomes a lawyer. It's a really good ending. <laughs> just, I'm sorry if I spoiled it for anybody just now. Yeah, exactly. So the whole movie and the whole premise of Hardball and, and just kind of what it means and, and what, you know, the whole action of, of you know, it was, a, it was a different version and a better version, I really feel, of Bad News Bears, if you really think about it. And, you know, w- without yeah. that whole – because it was that whole real feel to it. So I really liked Hardball. That was my number 10. It, it reminded me, like, if you think about the plot of it, just strictly, like, the skeleton reminds me of Mighty Ducks, where it's, like, a guy just goes to help out a bunch of kids, like, underprivileged yes. kids or however you want to put it. Um, that just need a coach. And it falls in love with him. I don't yeah. remember if Keanu Reeves in the beginning hated him as much as Gordon Bombay hated his team and couldn't stand them. But, as you, like, it reminded me of that. And I think it's, like, cool because you see the two ways a movie can go, with like, based off that. Like, they go Mighty Ducks, which was good. But it was just obviously a lot softer and like I mean just more feel good lucky. But like money, uh, hardball. I almost said moneyball. Hardball had obviously a lot more realistic and right. had a lot more underlying like lessons in it. And honestly, showed some like true stuff about society too. Which you know, just for people like me that wouldn't know otherwise, like that whole situation of what those kids go through, like teaches yeah. you something. So I think that's hardball is all around great movie and it hits you and feels really hard too. So. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll move on to number nine. Uh, Bleach Report had Major League here at number nine. 
Um, Fox Sports had Caddyshack there, and Rotten Tomatoes had The Hustler at number nine. Never seen any of those movies. You've never seen Major League? No, I never have. Oh, I know well. Charlie Sheen's in it. I know he wears glasses. I've seen like the beginning five, ten minutes of it. It's just one of those movies I've never gotten around to seeing. Well, you need to. Never seen Rudy either. So if Rudy's on these lists, then <laughs> and I don't care to because I try to watch it three times and I fall asleep every time. It's not a good movie. Well, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you think it's amazing. But aside from that, forget about Rudy, it. Rudy's on a list. It's not on my list, but it is on a list. I, I, I'm not a Stupid. big die-in on Rudy fan either. But uh, it's like four hours long. <laughs> like there's no, there's no movie aside from the third Lord of the Rings is good to be that long. Well, and you know Sean Astin, who played, um, who played Rudy, yeah, he's in, in both Lord of the yeah. Rings, and he also was in Stranger Things. Good for you knowing he's his big. name, like Sean Astin, <laughs> you know him as Sam from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and he's also uh, Bob from Stranger Things. And that's right, I know him as Bob too. That's yeah. right, that's right. So, what do you have at number nine right now on your list for uh, favorite sports movies? To me, this encompasses like a whole series, but I had to go with the first one. I had to go with Rocky. I mean, just underdog story, Sylvester Stallone, Humble Beginnings, where that movie was supposed to go nowhere, and he directed it and everything and made it into what it is. And no better scene than when he's beating the shit out of a cow carcass and a meat locker and breaking the ribs. And you're like, oh, this guy can fight. Okay, this is legit. Yeah, I have. And the, uh, whole, and the whole story. Right. And, yeah. Like, I'm serious about Rocky 1. The whole series to me is really good, but, like, right. the Rocky 1 alone is really good. Yeah, Rocky, uh, I, I didn't put Rocky on my list. I'm not always a big, like, fighting movie fan, honestly. That's just kind of one of those things. But I do yeah. love Rocky, and it is more than a fighting movie when you truly think, yeah. you know, everything with Rocky. Um, and it's I also have, anytime, anytime I meet an Adrian, it's going, Adrian! That's true. Yeah, Adrian, actually, my senior quote was, uh, I'm a fighter, that's how I'm made. Like, I literally <laughs> used a Rocky quote as my senior quote, and it's not on my top ten list. <laughs> I have failed. Hey, is what it is. 18-year-old Ethan's not happy right now. He's like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, 28-year-old Ethan's just naive. <laughs> no, not at all. I have Miracle there. Um, Good call. What, you know, I don't know if there's a greater you know, kind of moment in sports history when you truly think about how big uh, everything was with Miracle. So that's why I have it at number nine. I, I could not have it on the list um, mm -hmm. just because of what it signifies and I think one of these days, I'm hoping that they make a curling movie off of the last American team that won. I don't know and, if that's, that's and we can have a, a great moment of them. There's no way. <laughs> if a movie is made around curling, then it has to have a Quentin Tarantino directing effort to be entertaining because the it blows up. <laughs> yeah, like curling's cool. Like it's definitely challenging. Like I'd right. be terrible at it, but a freaking movie, no, 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 no way. I can't wait for you to do a story on curling because I know you're going to have to eventually because there's a yeah. curling club probably right down the road from you guys. We had, there's an Olympic curler that resides in Madison, Wisconsin. Good. We've been trying to get hold of him. Somehow him and his wife have been busy through all this. They, they found a way to be busy. I don't know. They probably, they probably just saw this time as like, you know what? Screw it. We don't want to talk to anybody. But like, even right. me, like, we don't got to do this stuff. Who cares? So, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that one. Uh, number eight on the list uh, for Bleach Report was the Pride of the Yankees. Uh, Fox Sports had the natural there, and Rotten Tomatoes had Maiden. And I believe Maiden, I I've never seen it, but I think it's a movie about sailing. I've never seen any of those movies either. What's the Yankee movie? The Pride of the Yankees. Never heard of it. I've heard of it. I've never actually watched it, which is funny because both of us being guys who root for the Yankees. Yeah. Like, uh, probably would have, should have. Maybe we need to watch it. I, I think that might be a big, good part. I believe it's about yeah. Lou Gehrig. 
I could be wrong there. But, oh, that's cool. Uh, is that a docu? That sounds like it would be a documentary, not a movie. Uh, it probably these lists is. might be messed a little screwed up. Well, no, there's other movies on here, like really from the from the rest down on pretty much all these, except for Rotten Tomato, are more so um, actual sports movies. I promise. Uh-huh. Oh, I believe it. What do you have at number eight on your list? I have Miracle at eight, so you, I beat you by one spot. Technically, I have more respect and love for this country. Than I can, I can see that. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. No, I, I mean, <laughs> go ahead. I was gonna say real. I mean, just obviously the Herb, the Herb Brooks speech. Uh, that one moment when they're skating after who they lose to, not Sweden, like Netherlands. I don't know. They lost, but he, they have that moment. Where it was like, who do you play for? The United States of America. And like, fun fact. They actually did that for about like 45 minutes to an hour. Like the movie makes it seem like, you know, 20 minutes passes. That was, that was accurate how like the guy shut off the lights per Mark Johnson, who's a head coach of women's hockey here at Wisconsin. He was like, got to shut off the lights and they thought they'd get out of it. They made him skate for like 45 minutes to an hour. And then they had to play the very next day. Wow. So they did all that. Yeah. They thought they were going to die. They had to play the very next day after playing a hockey game, skate that and do it. Yeah. I mean, Miracle is one of the most iconic movies. Another, Absolutely. And one of the best gifts ever, too, is, again, Sher Brooks, again. It's a good time. Oh, I, I mean, I, I had it on my list. I made sure it was there. You beat me there. I do have, at number eight, I do have another, uh, another Disney movie, and I kind of went back to my childhood on this one because I remember watching this a lot when I was growing up, which was Angels in the Outfield. Um, I just always loved it. had a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it. had Tony Danza in it. It, it just – it's such it's such a cool movie when you really think and of Doc like, in it too from Back to the Future. Exactly, had Doc in it. Um, I believe it had a young, is it Matthew McConaughey? I think he played center field. For I could be wrong. I gotta rewatch. I have not seen that movie in so long. Got to rewatch that. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorites from my childhood for certain because I just remember watching Angels in the Outfield a lot and, and just the whole premise behind it. It's another movie when you think about you know, one of those stories where Joseph Gordon Levitt's and uh, you know, he's a foster kid and his dad doesn't want anything to do with them. And then at the end coach comes in and adopts him, and he gets to be a part of the angels organization and just the whole premise behind it. And I really enjoyed that movie growing up. It was a, it was a big part of a, I always feel a big part of, I guess, my childhood. Mm-hmm. I, think, I agree. God, that was a really good movie. So I just got to rewatch it. Been yeah. a while. I loved it. It was always funny. And it, and like you said, it was one of those sports movies where it wasn't just so um, that it was, you know, just all about sports all the time. Like it had its comedy moments. It had, it had moments like that. So I was big on that one going on to number seven uh, bleacher report had field of dreams. Fox sports had 10 cup and then rotten tomatoes had free solo, which is, I believe a movie about climbing. So yeah, I guess the bronze tomatoes. harness. Yeah, a good movie. Like, that's definitely not a movie, though, where I'm like, when I think of, like, top 10 sports movies, these are movies that, like, I'm going to make sure my kid watches them. If my kid never watches Free Solo, he's not going to miss out on anything. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna watch with my kid. Or it's a movie where it's like, whatever I'm doing, I stop what I'm doing and finish it. Like, that's not right, Free exactly, Solo. exactly. What do you have at number seven? I, have, I, did, I went with Coach Carter for number seven. That's what I, I think Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, really? Look at that. Yeah. Matchup now. Samuel L. Jackson. I just loved him in it. That's another like all-star cast, obviously, with the young Channing Tatum in it, too. But I love it because it just showed, like, he obviously wants to put, like, more values in the guys, like, in the classroom, you know, just be straight. But then when they have that scene where they're at the party and they get in trouble and he calls him out, the one dude just calls him out, too. He's like, Coach, 
we won. Like, isn't that what you wanted? He's like, shit, like they got me too. And I just think it was fun. Like you see, you live vicariously through the team of like what it's like, the trajectory of like going from nothing to something, like being all stars and like celebs in, in, in high school sports when everyone knows who you are. I just thought it was really cool in that facet too. And even with like some heartbreak to it, which is cool. Yeah, no, I definitely liked Coach Carter a lot. Uh, it was one of my favorite movies as well, kind of for the same reasons. I mean, it, it just it hit home a lot of times, too, because you could kind of think of what was going on or you could think of, you know, some of these schools. And actually, at the time that Coach Carter came out was when we were at station in California. And we were actually my brother and I were both in an inner city school at that time before oh, nice. we were put in Catholic school. Um, so, I mean, I just remember thinking of that at that time and, and just kind of knowing you know, cause that's, that's Southern California and we were in the central coast. And so, you know, it was, it was one of those things where like, you could kind of like looking at that school and kind of seeing how the school was built and everything like that was kind of like, it looked like the high schools that my, you know, my brother was in and it kind of looked like the schools we were in. So, you know, we could almost kind of parallel some of the imagery to almost our own school that we were in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, it was, I just went to public school and nothing like that, like inner city school, but I think it was cool on that facet. It reminded me of some of the high schools my buddies went to um, around the area, like where I grew up and everything. So I think same thing. And it's just a solid basketball movie too. It was yeah. real. It was realistic. Like it wasn't just like, that's my thing too, with all sports movies that I like, I know like obviously Rocky to an extent, kind of unrealistic, I guess you'd say. And like long, long star, definitely. But uh, when it comes to movies, like when it puts you in a high school setting, like a yeah. really real setting, like the accuracy of coach Carter, I enjoy it too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on. Number six, uh, number six on Bleacher Report, they have miracles, so they're even more American than we are. Um, the Fighter was on Fox Sports at number six, and then Fighting with My Family was number six on Rotten Tomatoes. Fighting with My Family is actually it's a documentary by Dwayne the Rock Johnson about oh, okay. the wrestler Paige's life and her growing up in London. Um, she actually grew up in a family that wrestled. Her mom was actually pregnant with her, still wrestling, didn't know she was pregnant well, oh. before Paige was born. Uh, nice. And then when she was, well, that, she, her real name's not Paige, but uh, the character that she wrestles as is Paige. And she actually uh, kind of showed her progress from wrestling with her family in London to getting a WWE contract to them becoming, you know, a champion. So it's not a, I've actually never fully seen it. I just kind of know the storyline behind it. But um, mm-hmm. again, Rotten Tomatoes, more of those, those movies that are more so, I, I feel like you said, kind of more of a documentary feel uh, in their top 10, if you will. But still a good movie and it has a great storyline behind it. What do you have at number six? So for my number six, I've, I've written down, oh, I went with, I really forgot, I went with Any Given Sunday. Good movie. And I think I love that. I love that movie because it's one of the rare movies where, like, obviously a football movie, any professional sports movies, they want these guys as role models and, like, you know, play a good role. But it's, like, from Willie Beeman to LL Cool J's character to even Al Pacino's to Cameron Diaz is in it. Like, it's a star-studded cast, too, but it's just it – show, and it shows all, like, the messed-up side of pro sports and the money side of it and guys yeah. fighting through injuries and drugs and just drinking and partying, all that stuff. And, I mean, it was just damn right entertaining. And one of my favorite movie speeches of all time with Al Pacino saying, like, life is a game of inches and just yell – like, absolutely love that scene. And I think if you could be – if I could be any movie quarterback, it'd be Willie Beaton, too. That's for sure. Right. I actually had – I had written down any given Sunday, and then I took it off my list – have it as kind of an honorable mention kind of with the replacements because i liked both of those movies as well 
My number six, I put the Sandlot there. Um, I know the Sandlot has many iconic moments, has a lot of great moments. Um, you know, I'm more of a football guy. So like my kind of later portions of this is, is going to be heavily football as well. Um, but the Sandlot to me, it's a great movie. It's got a lot of, you know, rememberable lines. It's a lot of fun, fun lines and, and just kind of the progress where they kind of show, you know, uh, this is how the kids grew up and all the great references that it had in it to baseball and, and just in general and, and just the, the fun storyline that kind of went with it. And, you know, as a kid who moved around a lot, I remember kind of, you know, thinking like getting put into an area and kind of having to gain a lot of friends. And then, mm -hmm. I, so I kind of had that relationship with it as well. You, you ever own a pair of PF flyers? No, but I've always wanted a pair. I've, I've always wanted to you actually find them somewhere. Yeah. I've always just wanted to like buy a pair, but I've never done it. So maybe one day I will buy PF flyers. They're online. They're online. You'll find them eventually. I, I'll shoot. I'll find them. Yeah, I'll start researching that. So <laughs> at number five, uh, Bleach Report had Hoosiers there. Um, Fox Sports had Bull Durham. And Rotten Tomatoes had uh, National Velvet. All right, I'm done with Rotten Tomatoes list. <laughs> Never even heard of that. All right, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll tell you. So here's what I'll do. Here's the remaining five that were on Rotten Tomatoes. After National Velvet, they had I, Tanya, which is the story about Tanya yeah. Harding. Mm -hmm. um, Ford versus Ferrari. So I haven't seen it. It's brand new, this movie. Like, I haven't yeah. seen it. There's no way it's better. Wait, go with the rest of the list. And then Creed is number two. Jesus, no. This list is terrible. And then number one is the movie The Wrestler. No. What? That's the worst list I've ever heard. They literally disrespect every, like, iconic sports movie. No, I, I totally agree. I was reading it, and I was like, what wrestler. is going on right now? The Wrestler's number one. They, no, I don't even... I'm done. I'm done. I don't even want to talk about that list anymore. Let's go. Let's talk about your number five. What do you have at number five on your movie list? I went with He Got Game, starring uh, Denzel yes. Washington and Ray Allen. I, when I've seen, obviously, I like it. it. Takes place in Coney Island, not far from where I grew up. Um, I love that this shows a side of like high school recruitment, uh, how tough it can be on these kids, all the college stuff to deal with, what they deal with as they go through recruiting. Obviously, Ray Allen dealing with everything with his girlfriend too. Meanwhile. Denzel's trying to work his way back into his son's life, like coming out of prison or whatever, and all that too. I just thought it was cool. And I mean, Denzel's such a good actor, one of my favorite actors. He just plays a badass mother effort in it too. And one of my favorite lines, I think, uh, I'm going to, as I say, it's one of my favorite lines, but it's like a letter that Denzel wrote to his son, Jesus Shuttlesworth. And he just says, like, one day, what is it? You'll find a pair of shoes that fit or keep trying on shoes until they fit and oh man I'm, I'm messing it up now i gotta look it up i don't have my other phone by me <laughs> oh i gotta look this up but i don't know i just like that movie overall and i think it's really cool watching it now because he's such a young ray allen and a two yeah. baby face ray allen i think makes it look good too all right well while you find, find that quote. while you find that i'm gonna tell you my number five i have mighty ducks there um i was a big mighty ducks fan i'm big a big fan of uh how that just the whole I, not all the Mighty Ducks movies for certain, but that first one was just so much fun. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Gordon Bombay, Emilio Estevez there, that he just had uh, it did such a great job. And, you know, I always think of probably one of my favorite scenes is just when he's standing in there and they're telling him that he that they can't have Banks on their team. And he just starts looking at uh, Mr. Ducksworth and just 
and says quack quack Mr. Ducksworth yeah. quack, quack. and it's just one of my favorite like moments in a, in a sports movie just it's it's silly but it's just like you know I think we've all kind of had that moment in life where we just want to look at someone and just be like we don't quack at them yeah just quack at them yeah be be a duck at them and, and just get out of there so um I really like that movie and just kind of the coming together of that team and and how they all come together is a is a cool moment as well and that's I, I, I like there I like Mighty Ducks. If I never watched it again, I feel like I'm not missing out on much. It's one of those movies with me. I'm not just didn't resonate with me too much. I like it like it is. I I have I apparently have a lot of Disney movies, Disney sports movies on my list. Apparently, I watched a lot of Disney sports movies growing up. That's what it looks like. I'm still. It's from the movie. I know it is. Maybe it's just such a stupid quote that for some reason I like it. Yeah, I don't know, but I just liked it. Okay, that's I'm, I'm fine. Still, and then, I mean, the iconic scene, too. I'm going to find this quote. Jesus Shuttlesworth and Denzel playing one-on-one, uh, -on -one too. I was trying to beat him and everything. And he pushed him. And he's like, he's such like, an asshole dad. But at the same time, he just wants what's best for his son. It's just like something awesome. I feel like a yeah. lot of people go relate to it. I don't know. I, I like it. Moving on, we'll go to number four, because I know, you, I know you'll find this quote, and you'll stop me when you do. But number four uh, on Bleach Report, they had Rocky at number four. Um, Solid. And then they had uh, Fox Sports had Major League at number four on their list. Uh, so that's kind of the two that, since we're not doing Rotten Tomatoes anyway, it's the two that we're looking at. What do you have as number four on your list? I went back-to-back -back basketball. This one I went with white men can't jump. Nice. Yeah, Star Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. I just think it's a hilarious movie. Any movie that takes place in California, especially like Venice Beach, uh, what they do like has a spot in my heart for it and I think the, it's just hilarious because what the movie just where the movie goes and ends up Gloria is the most significant character and helping out those two um, I, don't know, I just like that movie all around I think it's hilarious uh, there's some action in it too and just Woody Harrelson just being so desperate to dunk literally throughout the movie too it's just like there's a lot of side plots to it throughout that I like Something we can all relate to, wanting to be able to jump. I've, I've, I'll never be able to dunk, and it's, I've, I've, I'm good with it. We'll have to do the lower rim one day and, and dunk on the low. I mean, yeah, I did that, tournament. obviously. Every, everyone's done that. <laughs> yeah. We'll get some, uh, uh, what was it, the old school uh, trampoline? Oh, what was it called? You know what I'm talking about, where they would play basketball on the trampolines. Yeah. What was it called? Trampoline. Um, no, no, it was actually like on Spike TV back in the day. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to forget what it is. Somebody will tell me. My number four, I have a basketball movie there as well, uh, more so uh, an animated, per se, with uh, Space Jam. That's where I put Space Jam on my list. Um, big fan of Space Jam growing up. Obviously, everybody loved the Looney Tunes. Just the fun fun storyline behind Space Jam and, and having Michael Jordan there, who is uh, the biggest sports figure at that time uh, in the in the world. Michael Jordan was was that for everyone, so to have him in a movie it was kind of that first time that you really had a crossover of like you know here's michael jordan and you know who's going to be his teammate oh bugs bunny you know so it's just kind of a fun moment and being a kid because i was young when that came out and i remember you know even back then uh mcdonald's as part of their like happy meals and stuff they would actually have the stuffed versions of all the looney tunes in their space jam outfits and i actually have every single one still at my mom's house somewhere like tucked you away. would i i you do would. I, I never got rid of them i mean they're like they're still all in their bags and everything like i never took them out 
Um, so we have all of those somewhere at my mom's house. Uh, I mean, you know what's funny is like you said that, and it was, I think it was as I was talking about any given Sunday, Space Jam I left off my list, and Like Mike I left off my list. I actually like both those movies a lot. Yeah. I don't know how I left Space Jam off my list, but happens. It's, just, it's definitely funny because you argued super hard last year when we were doing this that you thought Space Jam should be the number one seed, and you said you wouldn't do the tournament unless Space Jam was the number one sport basketball movie. And I was like, dude, Hoosiers. Hoosiers has to be number one. You're like, no, no. Hoosiers will not be number one. It'll Space be Space Jam. Jam. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I went with it, and we got a lot of flack for that from a lot of people, but I was just like, yeah. fine, and it goes, this is for and it goes back. Yeah, you either have a movie that's like super realistic, like Hoosiers, even to an extent, is like unrealistic. What is it, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Chetworth? What's his name? Yeah, I see. Chetworth. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have Hoosiers yeah. on my list either, so I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack from that, especially having so many uh, Indiana and IU fans like in my family. I don't have Hoosiers on my top ten at all. Good. It's a good movie. It's a good it movie. Is, yes. but, like Space Jam is just better. There's a lot more basketball ones that are better, in my opinion. Humble I, opinion. Like I said, I don't have it on my top ten. Um, I have – I mean, obviously, I have, two, I have two basketball movies on there, and I don't have Hoosiers on there, so they'll probably eventually get mad at me, but – you know, whatever. That'll just make for fun Thanksgiving conversation, I guess. That is what it is. Let's go on. Let's move on to number three. We had Bleacher Report. That's where they put Rudy. Um, they had Field of Dreams at number three on – oh, no, excuse me. They had When We Were Kings on Fox Sports at number three. Fox we, Sports had a that's, a – that's a boxing documentary, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of a, another documentary I mean, that's a really good documentary. Right. Like, really, really, really good documentary. But, yeah, it was when Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman in Zaire, which doesn't even exist as a country anymore. Yeah. But when I'm thinking movies, I'm not thinking documentaries. Exactly. Same. Same. So what do you have at number three on your list? I went with The Sandlot for number three. I think the same thing. It's just, like, it's so nostalgic. It just brings you back to being a knucklehead kid. Yeah. Where all you cared about in the summer was where to meet up with your friends and play ball, whatever it is, and just messing around and... Uh, I think that that's the same thing. That movie is just timeless. I can never watch it enough. So my number three is something that if you ever grew up uh, in a Catholic school or went to a Catholic school, you watched every single year. Remember the Titans? That was my number mm-hmm. three. Um, remember the Titans? It's wait, a- wait, wait. Why would you watch it every single year going that, going to a Catholic school? That's what you watch, man. Every Both years, well, at least the two years I was in Catholic school, during a religion class, we watched Remember the Titans at least four times. That's the first time I've ever heard that from anybody that, yeah. Oh, man. Ask Shay about it. Ask Shay. She'll tell you that Remember the Titans is something that they play all the time at Catholic schools. We always watch Remember the Titans. I was like, so many of my best friends went to Catholic school. Not once I've ever heard that. Really? You guys need your money. Yeah, whatever money you spent for that Catholic education, you need back. Watch, have you watched movies? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. No, we hey, watch Remember the Titans all the time, which I love Remember the Titans. Uh, I love the whole story about it. Also, shout out Big Man Elastic. Went to Austin P. so that's a good shout out since I'm wearing the shirt right now. Um, we don't have many famous people that went to Austin P. so give me that. Um, but, yeah, so I love the movie. I love the coming together. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in the South most of my life. And so growing up in the South, you know, there are a lot of times where you do see uh, kind of the segregation still around. And so for me, being able to kind of see this movie and, and seeing that, you know, even before, I mean, years before, obviously I was born, that this was kind of one of those first moments. It was it was a cool moment to me 
to kind of see that all come together um, and, and just kind of see, you know, what people were going through and then still growing up in the South and still seeing, you know, it still took a long time for that to even happen and that there was still so much segregation really everywhere we see segregation. Um, but not at that same level, you know, because I wasn't like I was going to an all white school, you know, we were together and it just always, to me, it always was a great thing to see, you know, those guys come together and really be, um, leaders in their community to say, Hey, we're not going to support this anymore. We're one family. We're one team. And, and I've always thought that that's always stuck with me as well. Growing up was is just, just that feeling of like, I don't care, you know, what color skin you are. If you're an amazing human being and you're a good human being, that's what I care about. And that's, that's always what I gained from it. And that's what I've always looked forward, you know, towards in life. And I think remember the Titans is a movie that anybody should sit down and watch and be like, Oh, maybe we can be better. <laughs> I guess that's really the thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a movie. That's actually my number two on my list. And it's the same thing. Like for, I remember the first time I saw it because growing up in New Jersey, like I just didn't know anything about segregation or anything like that. Um, and I was just watching a movie and I was just like, just like my, my mind was blown. I was like, wait, this is how stuff used to be. Like, so for me, it's like, it was a huge history lesson. Yeah. And also just, yeah, reinforces like what you ended with and just like, didn't matter what color skin you were. Like you just see all the prejudices drop away. I think, and I just like, I just think it's so like the acting is so good. The writing is so good in it. And they're literally just showed like the progress of that all each character, how they grew to like each other. And the ones that they didn't, uh, like the one tight end that kicked off the team and it was like good riddance to you. And they had no problem with it. It just, it just showed like what it was all about to me. It was just like making progress and obviously putting away stupid, segregation the prejudice prejudice thoughts and everything like that and i just think really well done movie and like the football part of it was amazing as well i just absolutely loved remember the titans still do today yeah I, I love that movie and when it comes on it's one of those movies like we mentioned that we just have to watch it and and, yeah. and that's what i've always done uh, number two on bleach report was remember the titans as well uh and on fox sports it was field of dreams uh my number two i have friday night lights there and and i'll give you a reason why because i know if you're sitting there thinking like, well, remember the Titans is a better football movie and, and you know, just the better meaning behind it. I loved Friday night lights. It was one of those movies where I actually saw it for the first time in theaters. We went like opening weekend. Uh, a lot of me, my, it was me and a lot of the guys I played football with at that time, we went and watched it in theaters and it was just a real good, like kind of like bonding moment for our team mm-hmm. and for like our friends <clears throat> in general. So for me, Friday Night Lights has always kind of stuck out to me, but, you know, it, it also had a really good cast with it and, you know, Billy Bob Thornton, Tim McGraw's in it. I mean, and just, it, it just really does hit home. And, you know, you, if you don't know small town football, which, you know, you and I, we see small town football and we saw, it especially here in Joplin of just, you know, cities shutting down and filling out a state, stadium on Friday night. Uh, and that's what you get in, you know, with Permian Odessa at that high school and you know just kind of be around that situation and and being you know even in my hometown it was a little bit different because the town didn't shut down but all the area around us would always kind of shut down like all you know and always showed the the home team support for the high schools in our area so that's why I always love it and it just really does hit home with like a you know, a, a very, you know, realistic style of the football game, you know, and, and not so much the other surrounding stuff with it, but I always love Friday Night Lights and, you know, it, it was completely just a movie that's going to stick with me uh, for really all my life. Just remember seeing it in theaters. Yeah. For, I mean, it was my number one movie is 
Friday Night Lights. I think it's the same thing. It's just same thing. Like me and my buddies, we would watch it. I could quote that whole movie. Me and my friends would do that. We'd be out at high school parties. We would just be in the corner quoting the movie, not even giving a shit like who else was there. Yeah. It was just, you go back to it all the time. And I think from everything of like Booby Miles to Waterbug to Billingsley was my favorite character by yeah. far and Chavo. Um, fun fact, I didn't know Tim McGraw, who he was until I saw Humble and Kind, his music video. And I was like, that's Billingsley's dad. And then I was like, oh, that's Tim McGraw. And then I was impressed by his acting skills. Yeah. But I think it's, uh, it just shows like really encapsulates the brotherhood of high school football, the heartbreak of it too, and everything like that. And moving miles to me, I, I like, uh, I like, I don't like enjoy that it happened, but they always interest me is like heartbreak stories or like letdowns like that, like Booby and his yeah. athletic career and how he tours ACL and everything like that. So I don't know. That's why I enjoyed the heck out of it. And Sam Friday Night Lights is on. I watch it. I have it on DVD and I rewatch that all the time. To me, it just, it just so accurate, accurately portrays high school football too. It's like very fiber. And yeah. I think that's why it's such a good movie. And for a lot of like, I don't think that's a really popular opinion, but like, I mean, I don't care. I think Friday Night Lights is one of them, to me, best sports movie of all time. Yeah. I, I love Friday Night Lights as well. I do have one that's above it. Number one, Bleach Report. They had Sandlot there, which obviously, like we mentioned, it's a great moment. Just you grow up. And especially when you think of like growing up with your buddies and stuff like that, just going out, trying to play baseball, whatever, basketball, with your buddies. So that, that made a lot of sense. They had Hoosiers number one on Fox sports. So apparently, you know, maybe somebody a lot older than us wrote the Fox sports one. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I think Hoosiers is. It just dates you that movie. Yeah. That's what I think. It's just one of those, like when it came out, it was probably a big deal and it was cool, but it just dates you. That's what I think it is. Generation movie. Yeah, I think so too. My number one movie, and this might give me a little bit of flack because you've never seen all of this movie is the movie major league. Um, I am a huge fan of Major League. I love uh, – I just love everything about it, man. I love Charlie Sheen's character in it, um, Wild Thing. I love uh, Willie Mays Hayes. Um, just – you know, actually it was on the other day and I stopped to watch it. And somebody had turned it on at work and I stopped in the break room and just sat there to watch part of it before I went back to go work on whatever I was doing. But I love Major League. I always have. It's one of my favorite movies. I have Major League and Major League 2 on DVD, so I, I can rewatch it at any point. Um, I think when Callie and I got married, she had never seen it. And I think that was like one of the first movies that I made her watch that in Friday Night Lights. So obviously those two were like that big in my life, but I love major league. And I think it might get me a little bit of flack because it might not be the greatest sports movie of all time, but it, it does have a great story with it. You know, you, you have the evil plot of the manager trying to move the team to Miami and all the Indians have to do is win the pennant. And they just have this great surge at the end of their season and they end up winning the pennant and, and just, it, it's phenomenal. I, I love the movie. Um, I love the acting in it. I thought they all did a really good job. Roger Dorn's character was really great. Um, the catcher whose name's escaping me right now is I, I just love all of it. So uh, the second one was obviously not as great as the first one, but you know, one of my favorite lines is in there is, uh, are you telling me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball?" And I love that so much. It's just one of my favorite lines in a sports movie as well. Uh, when they're talking to Serrano, um, cause he's, he's praying to Joe Boo about being able to hit a curveball, and, and one of the pitch, pitchers comes up and goes, you tell me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball. And so that to me, and then throw the heater, Ricky, is one of my favorite lines as well. So there's a lot of great moments in that movie to me, and I, I just always think of Major League when it comes to uh, sports. I don't, even need, I don't even need to see the movie anymore. He's broken down for me. 
absolutely yeah. yeah it's it's a great Same movie so you you should go watch it though um gary headley would tell you to watch it that's all you need to know i say no more <laughs> keep trying on shoes and sooner or later you will find a pair that fits you well i found a pair and they hurt like hell there you go all right that's so he's that's basically saying that's denzel saying for like the way i take it is i keep trying on shoes keep finding what you want to do keep finding your path in life and you'll find something that fits you denzel found his and unfortunately it's not the best path because he's like in and out of jail, in and out of prison, ever around his family. So the pair of shoes he found hurts like hell. Well, his son, Jesus Shuttlesworth, he found his pair of shoes, which is a sport of basketball that can get him college education. So it'd be the best thing for him. I don't know. That's that core just sticks with me, and I like it. So I like that, man. That, that's a good quote for all of us to kind of live with in life, too. To be honest with you. So there you go. Um, let's go ahead, and we're going to talk a little bit here because there was a really cool uh, part one and part two of a documentary last night. Um, called The Last Dance that we were able to kind of watch. I know you you uh, live tweeted it. I was trying to keep up with you and watch the whole thing and also do some draft, <laughs> draft previews and whatnot. Um, greatly, it's obviously, the 30, 30 for 30s are just so phenomenal anyway, but that one was just so, I mean, you just really see, you know, we when you really look at it, you think of like how great the Bulls were in the 90s and then now when you kind of get to see everything from behind the scenes of just like what was going on, um, and mm-hmm. especially because like I was very young at that point. You were even younger at that point when this was going on. Um, I was so four, we would, three years old. Yeah, and I was six, six or seven. So like uh, in that time frame, you know, it's just one of those things where you don't really think of that um, or like the, the behind the scenes stuff. And now that we're getting to see kind of all of it unfold, we're getting to see a new look at the Bulls. What did you think of it? What was your impressions of episode one and two? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. And the best part is like we didn't even get to the good stuff yet because like they're still setting up the team and showing them in the early stages. So we haven't even gotten to like the actual footage they got behind the scenes. Like they haven't really div- dove into the 97-98 season. Obviously, I loved what they did for Scottie Pippen too. He's my, he's my favorite basketball player of all time. I just always knew. I loved his game because he was just that hustle dude. He does the dirty work. So athletic, such a good player. If Michael Jordan wasn't drafted by the Bulls, say, say if someone else picked him earlier, um, that Scottie Pippen would have been the greatest Chicago Bull of all time. Would they? Would he have won any rings? Not sure about that. Would they ever beat this Pistons? Not sure about that. That's how good Michael is. But he would have been the best player in franchise history for sure. I think, and I love the way it was shot. I love the way I follow him. The soundtrack to me is phenomenal too. And it, the amount of interviews, because I think they did around a hundred interviews and the way it just tells the story and it keeps telling it to me is absolutely amazing. And what's cool is um, I didn't realize this until a few days ago, but throughout high school and college, I worked for, I would PA for a production company through someone that I'm friends with linked me up with her brother who owns a uh, production company he does a lot of nba shoots he's like a lifer with the nba well one of my first shoots i'm driving out with him to it just getting to know him and we're just talking shooting the breeze and i'm asking him about like you know favorite project he's been on if he knows michael jordan and he's like yeah he spent christmases by michael jordan's house wow. this guy like he's best friends with ray allen knows grant hill really well too and he goes yeah i followed the 97 98 bulls for a season and it cost me my first marriage and i was just knowing him at the time so i was like I don't really know how to follow someone up about like talking about a failed marriage. So I was like, Oh, that's cool. And like, I didn't ask him what the documentary was. This is the documentary. He was one wow. of the three guys that got to follow around Michael Jordan and the 97 bulls. So I think it's really cool watching it now. 
Um, I shot him and texted how great it was. And he was like, cool. He's like, there's eight more episodes left. So he's like, let me know what you think then. And I'm like, all right, man, way to be humble. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. you guys are off to a roaring start. I liked it a lot. Um, and it's also just comical just to see how dominant Michael Jordan was, but also reveals a lot about the NBA too. He was on a minute res- minutes restriction, AKA load management. The bulls were, and the bulls were trying to take that to tank for a better draft pick and miss the playoffs. What we hear about now. So like, a lot of shit that GMs and players get today. Hey, it was happening back in the eighties and the nineties. So get off your high horse. Anyone that thinks like basketball was pure back then. Yeah. Athletic wise, it's better today. Michael Jordan's game. And you see it too. It would translate to today. He would obviously have a better three point shot, but like he was, he was all defensive team every year in his, of his career. Like he was a good defender, great defender, one of the best ever. And obviously his mid range jumper would never die too. And he was a great finisher around the rim. So I just think it's really cool. And I I love the first two episodes. If they dropped all 10, I would have watched the whole thing. I would have too. It was so good. I mean, and just to think, you know, episode three is going to be about Dennis Rodman. And uh, when you think of how, you know. That's going to be a trip. It is because there's so much that, you know, Dennis Rodman, you know, just thinking about Rodman in general of of his whole career, you know, even before he came to Chicago, um, just his mentality, you know, how he played and, and everything like that, to me, it's going to be fun to kind of see that unfold. But then also just, you know, all the antics that we already knew from Dennis Rodman and and that we've already seen, we're going to see again and just kind of see how it fits into this documentary. I, I was a huge fan of it. Um, you know, growing up, I was always a big Kobe guy, uh, more so um, than even, you know, obviously I, I loved Michael Jordan and, and loved his game and Scottie Pippen as well, like you mentioned um, you know, growing up at that time, I don't think there wasn't, I mean, unless you were like really central located in like a spot, like if you were in Detroit or you were in some of those areas, but I feel like everybody was growing up. I always thought everybody was a Michael Jordan fan. I, I thought everybody was a Bulls fan because you would see so much Bulls stuff. You would see so much Bulls gear that it was just one of those things to me, at least where I just thought everybody was a Michael Jordan fan. I mean, I love Michael Jordan. Like I said, my biggest thing was like watching space jam and just kind of loving Michael Jordan. But, um, you know, I've always been more of a, of a Kobe fan, my dad being a Lakers fan. So I grew up around, you know, just always kind of knowing more about the Lakers and and liking the Lakers, but, um, man, they did such a phenomenal job. And, And what do you think? Cause I know, the biggest thing coming into this was the fact that they said, you're going to look at Michael Jordan in a different light. He said, people are going to think, you know, not really like me, but that was just kind of how MJ was. You know, I mean, you well, heard these stories before about Michael Jordan. Yeah, but they haven't gotten to the gambling MJ yet. And they haven't gotten to the MJ that punched Steve Kerr in the face yet. And like, that's what makes 97, 98 so great is like, they haven't gotten to that point where like MJ would be escaping to Atlantic city during playoff series to go gamble the night before and then playing the game the next day. Like there's a theory out there that the flu game, he was just really hung over from a night of drinking and who knows. And that's what I think is amazing. It's cause, and like, I was, I was, I respect where it was coming from, but like, no, someone asked me if MJ lost one of his titles, if lost one of those series and he was five and one in the finals, would Kobe be the greatest ever? Cause they have the same amount of rings, but it's like, no, because Michael Jordan talent wise was just head and shoulders above Kobe. But if like, if MJ, and I say this about LeBron, if LeBron had MJ's mentality, he'd be the best. He would have never lost a a series in the finals. He would, uh, he would be by far the greatest of all time in the argument, but he just doesn't have that mentality. But if MJ had Kobe, if they both had 
Kobe Bryant's work ethic, but really if MJ had Kobe Bryant's work ethic, like Kobe now, maybe I'm not, maybe I just don't know about it, but I doubt Kobe was ever out drinking, getting drunk, gambling the night before a playoff game. Like, yeah. This shit was his life. For MJ, he was a bigger gambler than he was a basketball player. To, so, like, he loved gambling more and like literally any way it was possible, making bets during games on the the games that they have on the Jumbotron of like what hat is a ball under, or, like the cars racing. He would make bets during timeouts of like, yo, I bet you it's number one with, with the players. And like Scotty Pippen and them knew to like back off. Like, because someone at the arena tipped him off of what would win. So then he'd make bets with the guy that does security for their bench. Like, so during games, he's doing this. So obviously he's having fun. He's that dominant. But I digress here. Just saying of, I think it's cool. And I think that's why, like, MJ's like, people are going to see him in a different light. Because we haven't gotten there yet. Like, right. you're saying that after two episodes, like, oh, he doesn't see... No, we've seen, we've seen the basketball Michael Jordan. We haven't seen the rest of Michael Jordan yet, which I think is going to be really good. And I love the the storytelling they did like on Scottie Pippen. I didn't know when he went to UCA, Central Arkansas, I didn't know it was NAIA at the time. And then you got to know Dennis Rodman. Obviously, he, was, he, went, he was with the Pistons first, but he went to Southeastern Oklahoma, NAIA too. Mm-hmm. Two Hall of Famers, two guys that have – well, Dennis has – he have five rings because he won two with the Pistons and then with the Bulls. And then Scotty has six, but um, both were play NAI basketball, which to me is amazing. Both grew up dirt poor too. Yeah. So like, you see like how ridiculous it was like Scotty making 18 million over seven years, but he came from literally nothing. So he was like, dude, I need the money. He's like, I'm not going to risk this shit. And then for Dennis Rodman, too, I mean, they both just came from nothing and obviously Dennis Rodman. I mean, mentally the dude's out there. He's best friends with Kim Jong-un. <laughs> like insane. But I think it just really shines a light on him. I'm excited to see where it takes MJ. And uh, I just love some of the quotes you hear from, like, Larry Bird saying, like, we were trying to hold him, but you can't hold the great ones. Also saying, like, God was disguised as Michael Jordan. And James Worthy, one of the best Lakers, one of the best to ever play basketball, saying, I was better than Michael Jordan for two weeks. Like, you just hear the the transparency of these guys of how great – Michael Jordan was. And every Roy Williams interview is awesome too. Saying he never freaking turned it off. I just, I think it's really good. All of yeah. It. I love seeing Michael Jordan as just kind of his growth. I love seeing Scottie Pippen's growth. Uh, one of the quotes that you talked about um, that you tweeted, which, you know, resonated with me because, you know, I don't come from a very wealthy background either was just the Scottie Pippen's brother just saying, we didn't know we were poor. We were just having fun playing basketball. And that's just something yeah. that resonated to me in that whole documentary part of part two, at least with Scottie Pippen, you're talking about his background and his upbringing. And yeah, I mean, a lot of times, especially when you're that young, you don't know exactly what's going on. And to, to just know that <laughs> Scotty Pippen... They didn't know any better. They were just yeah. in their bubble. Like, where they grew up, they were just like, this is how everybody lives, I guess, you know? You think about it back then where it's like TV wasn't the same. There's no cell phones. So there's no Instagram to see how like rich people live. They're just like, yeah, like, we're happy. We got family. That's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. And, and humbling. taking care of his one of his brothers and then also his dad. He had two people in wheelchairs yeah. when he was growing up and that, that was just an amazing storyline and just so well done and, and so well talked about especially for scotty because you don't really know much about scotty pippen and you know people you know if somebody was saying that he was being selfish and you kind of look at everything that got him to that point he's not really being yeah. selfish he deserved to get a good contract. eventually he wanted to get paid yeah and he deserved that and you know a lot of people you know everybody's everybody wants to make the money that they feel that they you know, that, that's not even just in basketball, that's in life in general. You feel that like you should get paid the money that you're worth. And so to kind of see, you know, these, these almost similar feelings and attitudes that we have 
in an everyday life. And these guys who are, you know, just transcend, you know, so many different things, especially like a guy like Scotty Pippen, you almost relate to him even more, right? Granted, yeah, he's he's talking about a few extra zeros than we could ever talk about, you know, in our careers. But still, I mean, he, sure. he just relate very much. I, I related very much to Scotty Pippen in the in what we saw from him. So I was a, I was a big fan of Scotty, and and like like you said, I mean, there's so so much more to go. There's eight more episodes. Um, we'll probably discuss them in the future together again. So <laughs> we might have to talk about them again next week. It's just a, it's a time machine to me, the documentary too. Yeah. Like from the soundtracks that they have, like ESPN rightfully so like didn't spare a penny because you got to pay for the rights for all those songs that they're playing. But, and it, but it was just perfect. Like they were like, we're going to do this perfect or don't do it at all. And it, everything, I mean, it was locked away in a safe and MJ waited for the perfect director to come along like the right storyteller. Like it was shot, it was done, but they just wanted it to be done the right way. And I, I just thought it was really cool. I wonder how many people pulled out their old Chicago Bulls starter jackets and Mitchell and Ness snapbacks when uh when it all yeah <laughs> I need to get well I saw it and it was a one shot what was it I'm not like I'm not big on spending a lot of money on shoes and I think like some of the prices people drop on Jordans is ridiculous right like, I, my favorite is like you see shots of them playing in Jordan ones and like if you wear like I've worn a pair of Jordan ones I'm like you should not play basketball. So, no. Like, there's no support to him at all. But I saw him at one point shooting Jordan 11s, Concords. If I got one pair of J's, it would be those. And I think they retail like 250, 300. But like, everything's sold out now because everyone went out of their way to go get Jordans now and everything. I just think it's funny. I've always liked the Jordan 3s. That's always been the ones that, that I've liked. Um, I so can't picture them. They're the ones that kind of have like the, that almost has like a. Let me, I'm Googling them. Yeah, they're, they kind of like have like the crackle, like. Um, almost looks like kind of like a rock crackle like near the oh field. yeah 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 those have always there's, been one of my favorites so, there's no way he played basketball in these apparently so man i don't know i i would never play basketball with them i don't know if i'd wear them more than just like to an event and then not i would probably wear them sports casting i'd probably be the only time i'd wear them <laughs> just nobody would see my shoes anyway right yeah, whatever. Still feel good. <laughs> Absolutely, feel good, man. Deliver good. Now, I know one of the things that I want to talk about with you, because we'll move on to kind of the final subject here for you, is uh, right now in Madison and in Wisconsin, uh, I, if I could cue jump around or we would do it, man. But um, I think you've heard that enough, right? I was going to say, it's like it's awesome every time I see it. By two days before the Rose Bowl, I was done with the song Jump Around, because like we would go to so many events, you'd hear it play, and it's like, holy like oh my god like i just don't and what they do in wisconsin every saturday they do a jump around too like they play it on all the radios so at three o'clock like everyone walks out to their house and you know it's cool in concept all neighborhoods will jump around to get through this pandemic but it's like to the point too like we get videos sent in we're like we're running that again like oh my god but it's cool (laughs) to be in camp randall stadium and be around for jump arounds like one of the best experiences you could have in sports uh, but yeah, if you started playing it, I would probably just hang up though. So, so I'm going to brag on you a little bit, if that's fine with you. Um, for those of you who are in here listening and, and you ha- don't know much about George, um, which I would strongly suggest you follow him. I don't know if I have a true nah. big following. I don't have clout, but go ahead and follow him, uh, especially if you Neither like do I. sports, right? Um, but uh, George has uh, made a trip out to the Rose Bowl this year for Wisconsin, Oregon. He was out there, got to cover that. Um, you were at the NFC Divisional, correct, with Packers Seahawks this year? Yes. Yeah, so George was able to cover uh, a lot of Packers games this year, including the NFC Divisional. Um, he had a viral video that went out 
during the Wisconsin-Michigan game as the Badgers uh, were doing jump around. And there was a Michigan fan in the middle of – it was the Badgers student section. There was a, a Wolf. Yeah, my fan. buddy Ben. My boy Ben from Menominee Falls. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you can say Menominee, too. That's a, that's a town you got to learn, man. I got all the towns down. Economowoc, Ashwabanon. Uh, what was the one that gave me – I can't even think of it now, but it's up by Green Bay. They're not that bad once you just roll through them. I live on Ashwabanon. Aren't they like the oil, oil makers? What are they? What's there? There's some good. There's some good mascots out here. Yeah. I can't think of them. What was the one? Anyway, I digress. Yeah. We Ashwabanon would come to the UP occasionally, and so would a few of the other, um, the Ore Dockers. There was a team, the Ore Dockers, that are more northern Wisconsin, um, that would come to the UP. But George had some great time there. But he's also got a chance to see some of the top Badger prospects. And uh, there's you recently did an interview with a Zoom interview. You did one with uh, one of Chris the Wisconsin. Orr. Chris Orr, one of the Wisconsin players. Um, talk a little bit about Wisconsin coming into this draft because there's obviously a guy by the name of Jonathan Taylor. Where do you mm-hmm. think he's going to go? Um, also, what is it, Zach, uh, Zach Bond? Mm-hmm. Where's he, where do you think he would go? And then talk to me a little bit about your boy Chris Orr. I think, well, for JT, he's the biggest name for the Badgers in this draft, but obviously his curse would be in a running back. If he was 10, 10 years ago, he'd be the number one pick in the draft right. by far. Maybe you'd have to go further back than that, maybe even like 12, 15 years ago. But he is so, he is so smart. His skill, I mean, he ran a 4.39.40, but he's also like 5'10", 230 pounds of pure muscle. Like legitimately the dude's built like a Greek god. And he's also one of the most humble guys you'll meet. He's always generous with his time. He'll always talk to you. And I've, I watched him play this year. Just very few people run behind their pads like JT. And obviously the big knock on him is his fumbling issues. Well, it's like the fact that his legs are so strong, he never goes down on first contact. So he gets stood up a lot. And obviously that gives teams opportunity to punch the ball out. He's going to go down in the NFL eventually. Now, I'll go back to where I think he'll, he'll get picked. Like I said, 15 years ago, he'd be number one overall pick. Him being a running back, I see second round. If he makes it to the third, I'll be astonished. It also comes down to, you know, what teams need running backs. I've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers, Detroit Lions, even the Green Bay Packers, because they're going to have a few free agents next year they got to pay in their backfield, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. It's just, there's a lot of possible landing spots for him to go, and there could be teams that just want depth at running back too. Tampa Bay Buccaneers can grab him as well. Right. His limit, though, is now he, wa- he didn't have any career receptions until his senior year. He finished with, I think, 26 catches this year. Is he a great route runner? No, not necessarily. Can he do well in the screen game? Yeah, if you give him the ball in space and have blockers out in front of him, he'll do damn well. And he needs to work better on his pass protection. But honestly, there's no running backs really that come out of college that are great in a pass pro. It's just not something that hasn't worked on much. But I think for JT, I mean, he's also a guy that it's funny because you always want to talk to him after every game. We just had to wait for him because he takes so long to get treatment because he'd get stretched out and massaged out right after games because he understood the importance of recovery. He would do hot yoga all the time in the summer because it made him stronger and a little more pliable. So this dude, like, really dedicates everything to football. And he's just, like, a clean guy, good guy. So whatever team gets him, I mean, it's a huge addition to the locker room as well. Now, for you mentioned Zach Baum. He is can pass rush, can ta- play the run game, can pass cover too. He's a really instinctual player. He's a little undersized. He's like a pure edge guy. He's a little small, but I mean, you get him into an NFL organization where they make sure he's eating right, training right, 
again, and they, they can bulk him up real quick. I think for Zach, late first round to early to late second, mid second round, you know, if Kenneth Murray and um, Patrick Queen are off the board, who's LSU and Oklahoma linebackers, and maybe a team like the Ravens would get Zach Bond because they definitely need to help out their rush defense. But still, I don't know if he's a true middle linebacker there too. I could, like I said, the Packers too. I could see him taking Bond because they need a linebacker too. You know, Christian Kirksey, just a little injury history. So I mean, those are the two big names for Chris Orr, who I interviewed. I mean either late round pick to be an undrafted free agent. I think he'll get a shot with the team. He's, he's a classic, just underdog earns everything that he's ever had. Could be a good special teams player for a team too. whoever gives him an opportunity. Then there's also Tyler Biotis, who's a center for the Badgers. Remington award winner for the nation's best center, but bad shoulder. He got surgery on and he has bad, uh, he's injured hips. So he hasn't worked out since season ended. So that dropped his stock a lot. And the one thing concerns me with him is that, you watch his Ohio State games, he got pushed around a lot. And for for a center, obviously you're going against Ohio State, it's some of the best defensive lines you'll see. I don't know if it'll bode well at the next level. And the name I'm really interested with is Quintez Cephas. I think he'll be a seventh-round draft pick. Good physical receiver. It was just really surprising for him to come out now because it just doesn't seem like he, he could have waited here and only helped his case. But whoever gets him will get a guy with really good hands, good route runner, goes up and gets the ball. So I think it would be interesting to see where he falls. Yeah, that's what I was looking at, especially with Jonathan Taylor. You know, I know a lot of people are saying, um, you know, where he might go. And and like you said, that second round sounds more than likely it's going to happen, especially with the fact that a lot of people are putting a lot of stock on uh, DeAndre Swift right now as the first running back that's taken, yeah, no matter what he's taken. DeAndre Swift is such a good route runner, yeah. and he had a lot smaller workload in college too. If if I was between the two, and you really are a believer in your offensive line, I would take DeAndre Swift just because I think he helps out a lot more in the passing game, and he's a true three down back. But if you get if you get stuck, quote unquote, with JT, you're not really going to miss out on much. Like he's going to do damn well for your team. Yeah, and, and DeAndre Swift coming from a great running back legacy right now. He's got a, some big shoes to fill with, you know, guys like Sonny Michelle, who's already productive for the Patriots, um, Nick Chubb, who's very, very productive for the uh, Browns right now, and then, of course, mm-hmm. Todd Gurley, who uh, I think we're going to see a great resurgence from him in Atlanta this year. So um, he's got some big shoes to fill, not to mention, you know, Herschel Walker, guys like that that went to Georgia in the past. I mean, he's coming. Hey, from don't sleep on Wisconsin. Hey, I don't. I mean, that Ron Dane. Melvin Gordon, James Melvin White, Gordon. Ron Dane. Yeah, man. Darren hey. Wale with the Buccaneers, too. So, Corn Monte Clement. Ball, a little, little fact for you. I think I told you this before you moved to Wisconsin, was Monte Ball. They didn't know who Monte Ball was until they played Austin P. and they were on their third running back, who was Monte Ball, and he rushed for more yards against our starters than the two starting running backs did in the, uh, in the, in the end of those games. So, um, yeah, no, we know what's – I know Wisconsin running backs, uh, especially because – uh, they paid for our brand new stadium that Austin P got a few years ago because uh, we played we played Wisconsin for about three straight years for a season opener. So good old tune-up um, games, yeah, exactly for Wisconsin at least. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm excited to see now. Kind of final question for you here. You know, you're up there near Green Bay, and and me being a huge Packers fan, um, you know, I have as a fan, it's a little bit hard to kind of differentiate of what you know, Green Bay needs to do. I know that they need a linebacker. I know that they need receivers. If you're sitting there and you and you spoke with Brian Gunsquist today, um, you guys were on the conference call with them. Um, 
what where do you think Green Bay is leaning? What do you think the Packers do with the uh, 30th pick? He didn't really allude to position-wise where they need to go, but yes, for sure, to me, the priority has to be playmakers for Aaron Rodgers, then a linebacker, and then they still have to go offensive line too because David Bakhtiari will be a free agent, and Ricky Wagner isn't the answer for the next few years. He could just be a stopgap guy right now. Uh, what Gutekunst did allude to was he's made moves, if you go to his first draft as GM, what they trade back from 14 to 27 and trade back up to 18, get Jair Alexander. Then last year he trades up to get Darnell Savage. Yeah. So he goes back to back defensive backs with those draft picks. But he said, you know, he'll be aggressive. They have 10 picks, five in the first round in the five in the first five rounds. He likes being at 30 for the fact that it means they're a good team, but also he will be aggressive and move up if they need I think that their priority has to be with getting a linebacker or a defensive player because they have enough assets that if they can move up, they, they cannot wait. But if they can move up and get Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen, those guys are fast. They're athletic. They have the experience. I especially like Kenneth Murray. I, I think Patrick Queen could be a better in pass coverage, though. If they get one of those two guys, then all the depth in this receiver, if they don't have to give up a second-round pick, or if they could get a second-round pick back, then get like a Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame who is an H-back where he's not definitely a solidified tight end that'll run block for you, but they had Jimmy Graham last year, so they did fine without a run-blocking tight end. They did fine without a tight end last year with an old theory because Jimmy Graham was terrible. But if they get a Chase Claypool who is size 6'4", 6'5", and ran like 4, what, 440, I think, I believe. I mean, the dude's just a, a matchup. Nightmare. Put him in the slot. Put him at tight end. Get him matched up on linebackers. <clears throat> then you have Devontae Adams on the outside. And then you also have Devin Funches opposite of Devontae Adams will be a physical receiver. And then maybe <clears throat> get another guy, uh, Devin Duvernay out of Texas in the slot, and he could be a third-round draft pick. I think it's all about value. I think their biggest need, especially just you don't want to miss on this defense because yeah. what was the defense's Achilles heel? We saw what the Niners did to him. They also got to go defensive line too because – they have Preston Smith and they have Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, but their defensive line outside of that, like Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark is good, but like Dean Lowry's not going to get it done. They need to get guys to support him there. Yeah. But if they go out, go linebacker, Chase Claypool, get a playmaker like that, give them Duvernay in the third, and then go D line, O line from there. And that's a problem too because offensive line tackles are really good in this draft, but they're all going to be gone by about 15, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I've been looking at as well as the interior linemen. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, there's not a lot of interior no. linemen that you can hang your hat on. And the best one, the best rated one is uh, Cesar Ruiz, who's the center from Michigan. And there's a possibility he goes, I mean, he could go to Kansas City at 32 if they don't want to go flashy at 32. Yeah. And I mean, I think Kansas City, they got to do something for their run defense too. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think. With Green Bay, with the Ravens, with Kansas City, they got massive glares on their run defense. And then for Kansas City, I mean, they're even talking about, like, they might make a push and trade up and get Henry Ruggs, which would be ridiculous, yeah. that receiving core. But I don't know. I think for the Packers, and they even talk about receivers. I talk about Quintez Cephas. They can get him on a flyer in the seventh rounds and develop him. And then he becomes a good – if he just averages a first down every catch, like that's all you need out of a guy like him. Yeah. Then you see someone like Marquise Lee 
out of Jacksonville who got released today. Well, when he was with Nathaniel Hackett, he had one of his best seasons down in Jacksonville. So obviously, you know, Hackett's going to be pushing for him. So then if the Packers can get their answer in Marquise Lee, who can be healthy, I think he came on, he's coming off a knee injury this past year, but he's healthy and he clears physicals. Then they take care of the receiver in the draft, then that frees up their second round draft pick. Maybe there'll be someone there that offensive line wise they can get. I still think they got to go out and get playmakers for Rodgers. Yeah. I think they definitely got to take care of linebacker and they definitely got to do something about their whole line too. Yeah, especially with Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell both gone as well. It's got to be a spot that is definitely somewhere that you want to fill. Yeah, and Kyler Fackrell, I mean, he was good as a rookie, but his play kind of fell off from there. Didn't impress right. it too much. So it's like not too much of a loss. And Blake Martinez, I mean, a smart. You obviously want your linebacker to be smart out of Stanford, but, you know, was one of the top tacklers in the league. But I've seen plays where he's missed a tackle and then chases yeah. down a guy and tackles him. So it's kind of like a gimmick stat there. So they needed an upgrade. Even if Blake Martinez was coming back, they needed an upgrade at linebacker either way. So I think that would have been something with the spent a first-round draft pick on too. Yeah, you need speed in that position. That was one thing Martinez definitely mm-hmm. lacked was the speed. Um, so, no, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, like you said, I, I yelled a lot at the TV screen. So, I know that for a fact. But, man, I appreciate you joining me here, man, for this first episode. And like I said, um, we'll continue to do these. I mean, this is going to be kind of a lifeblood for a lot of us in the in the sports broadcasting world to just kind of have an outlet to chat a little bit and, and maybe hit a new audience and a new uh, a new group of people. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on. I mean, honored to be on Talking Schmidt, that's for sure. Talking shit on Talking Schmidt, so I was honored. That's that's. I'm glad you – I mean, I'm sure people would put that together, but I'm glad you mentioned that. That was the whole reason why uh, we do even it did anyway. this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and who knows? I mean, with the capabilities of Zoom, um, I would love – and I don't know what you're thinking about this, and I haven't talked to him about it yet, but I would love an episode that features uh, George Vilecki and TJ Eckert. I'd be down. I would be. I would love that. I would just love the conversation. Uh, number one category we talk about is Ario Speedwagon, good or no good, right? No, they're like, I can listen to one song and then my God, I've had enough of these uh, dudes with hairspray. Uh, I don't even know what they're saying. I'll go ahead and let make sure TJ listens listens to that, and we'll try to get you guys on together because I think that'd be absolutely. Uh, yeah, I love time. TJ, so I'd be up for it. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the first episode of Talking Schmidt for George Blechie. I'm Ethan Schmidt for this episode. Episode one's in the books. We appreciate you guys watching on YouTube and joining us on Podbean to listen to the entire broadcast. 